Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change things up just a little bit for me. I mean, you would probably have never known had I not said anything, but uh, I'm a verbal processor, which means I talk as I think. And so I'm going to be off script for just a little bit, which is kind of dangerous for someone with my personality. But those last two songs um, were just so good together. And so um, I, I, I met Jesus when I was 17, drunk in my bedroom, um, because that's what I did. I had what you call a problem. I did this every night um, and almost every morning before school. I wouldn't get drunk, but I'd drink liquor. Um, I was 17. Stupid, terrible. My brain and body were still developing. It was uh, probably have health issues now from it for those three years. But this night, I experienced some dark and demented things. And um, I'm not going to go into the details just because it doesn't matter. Um, Some of you wouldn't believe, and that's fine. I didn't believe these kind of things existed. But it sure didn't matter when it was like in my bedroom. And um, I prayed for the first time. I said, Jesus, if you're real, help me because I think I'm going to die. And um, the millisecond that I finished that prayer, the choking was gone. I could breathe. There were no more images, no more sound, no more voices. And, uh, and I just collapsed against my bed. And I've tried to explain, not that part, I, I, to my eight-year-old. I don't tell him that part yet because I'm a decent person. Um, I don't want to freak him out. Um, but I tell him about the first time I met Jesus, he was in my bedroom. It's kind of how I said it. And, and I was so scared. And I'll tell you that I lasted with these dark, demented things for almost an hour. But when I sensed the presence of Jesus, uh, what I know now to be the presence of Jesus, it took me 10 seconds and I got up and ran out of my room. I was a senior in high school, I was approaching 18, and I ran to my mom and dad, and I didn't tell them what happened, I didn't tell anybody for years, um, because I just assumed people wouldn't believe me now, I just do not care, and um, I told my parents that I believed in Jesus, but I got to tell you about why I ran out of the room, and it's all in retrospect, I couldn't have unpacked this at the time, I couldn't have understood this, it was a feeling, uh, far more than thinking it through, um, But the way I explained it to Silas, my eight-year-old, when he said, Dad, why were you afraid of Jesus? It's Jesus, you know? Which Silas has known Jesus his whole life. Um, I reminded Silas that the first time that he remembers being to the ocean, he's been going to the ocean since he was, you know, baby, baby. But like he'd come to the waves, and Asher did this too when he was little. They'd come to the, and and when the waves would start coming in, they'd like, and then they'd run because it's so big and so massive. You and I understand it, but little kids really have no concept. They just see this water coming at them, right? And they run. Or if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon or up on something really, really high and you look over, right? Like the, the whole butterfly thing and the sensation and your hands get clammy and you get scared because of like massive presence, right? Like the ocean and, and the Grand Canyon. And that's how I felt that night in my bedroom. And I was sobered up completely in that moment. And I didn't know who or what was there. I assumed it had something to do with Jesus since he was the one whom I prayed to. But I got out as fast as I could, not because he wasn't good, but because he was too good and I couldn't understand that. And uh, as we sing about him chasing away the darkness, I thought, oh, that's so good. But that song before it. So I, my senior year... um, I lived out the Christian life. Uh, I went to church after I got saved, because that's how you do it, right? Um, I got a Bible after I got baptized in my bathtub at three in the morning. Um, 
and I started to live out the things I was learning. And I was overzealous. I know that now. And, um, but man, I was that whole senior year. And then at the end of my senior year, uh, Web City started a fellowship of Christian athletes. And so I became a part of that. And um, we had a lock-in at the end of the year. And they had, a, they had an open mic, which I don't suggest to any adult doing any event to give an open mic to students. I'm just saying. But we had an open mic. And, uh, and I'll just say it like this without qualifying it. It was like almost every student had something to say about me. And like, you know, I knew, I knew, like, I didn't really have, all of my friends were partiers and all that, so none of them were in FCA. So a lot of them were underclassmen saying this, or some people that I hadn't really been real good friends with, but they were my age. But some of them were just like, you know, I knew who Dusty was. And, uh, and when I heard he became a Christian, I just laughed and rolled my eyes and thought that's ridiculous, but I've watched. And, and then there, there was, uh, this guy that I baptized, it was a, um, one year younger than me, played football with him, just humongous guy. That's a whole other story. I don't know if you've ever baptized somebody and then you couldn't get him up. I just quit trying because he's huge. Like his legs were bigger than my, like muscle huge. I'm not like shaming. He's just a big dude. And uh, he shared about me baptizing him. And so, and it just, and I, and I felt, now you got to know my personality, I was and still am to a large degree a show off. I, I like attention. Right now, I've got to I've got to like deal with that. I've got to live in the tension of that, trying to be a Jesus follower. But um, but there was something happened to me that was an aversion to all of this. I didn't want this, and then it got worse. The lock-in ended, and all these underclassmen came to me, and they're like, "Hey, would you baptize me?" And I'm just shutting it down, like, no, "What? No, I'm not a baptizer. Go talk to the youth pastors. Go talk to." The... And I le- I almost ran to my car. I drove to the praying hands, and I vomited. Just straight up threw up. I was so messed up on the inside at this idea that people were looking to me for something. And this idea of influence and this idea of leadership, it was still a long way away in my mind in terms of Christian influence and leadership. Even though I was doing it, I was living it, but that wasn't why I was doing it. I had been ruined by Jesus in the most beautiful way, and so nothing else really mattered to me. But it was that, once I got myself together and wiped my mouth off and got in my car and tried to pray, God very clearly said he wanted me to go to to, uh, Bible college. And I had no idea what that meant. I really didn't. I mean, I was still pretty unchurched. And um, we sang that song before Trimble, before Jesus chasing away the darkness. This idea that gold and silver, you can have it, all I want is you. It's a good song. It's a good song, but... I don't know about you, but that's hard to sing. That's hard to sing. For me at this point in my life, I have to tend to think back to those days at the praying hands when I did not want a stage and I did not want a microphone and I did not want people needing anything from me. As a matter of fact, the idea of more responsibility in people's life literally made me throw up. And I found myself at times as a professional Christian wanting more and more of that. And not always because I want Jesus. Often because I want more of me. So be careful, you and me, as we sing that. But at the same time, I would say it's true. It's true. If you don't know Jesus yet, man, I I offer that invitation again. That if he is indeed the resurrected son of God, he is here 
now and waiting to ruin your life too in the most beautiful way. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to miss it for the world. And he indeed, he indeed loves us. And he doesn't leave us there. He goes with us, but he does send us. I know I've been dancing around this the first two sessions, but Jesus indeed has a mission for us. And I will, I, I, I will push back a little bit on some of our um, religious language. I, I, don't know a whole, I don't know if Jesus cares a whole lot about some specific task that he's calling you to, that you have a purpose, a specific purpose. I don't know. But I don't mind pushing back against that a little bit just because it's fun, it's popular, and few people push back. So why not? And I'm probably wrong. But it seems to me that Jesus, what he cares about and what he calls each of us to, there's, you know, I work with college students and so I get asked a lot, you know, I'm trying, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will? And I'm like, it's in the Bible. And they get excited, right? Because they're, I'm going to turn and show them like through numerology and, you know, some kind of weird mystical reading of the Bible that will put this letter together with this chapter and then this verse and then these letters. And then it will, it will actually tell you what you're going to do for your career. It's not that. And I don't think they really think that, but that was funny. And to me. Maybe not so much to you, but, uh, but I open the Bible and I show them First Corinthians chapter five or First Thessalonians five. Right? Um, pray continually, um, be joyful always, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. If you can get this now, if you can get this now, oh my goodness, the things that you can experience. What God cares about in your life is not a task is not a career it's not a stage it's not a talent or a gift what God cares about is your character is your integrity it's everything it's everything this long in the game I've got all kinds of friends that are unbelievably talented unbelievably influential in in their Christian leadership And they'll have an affair or a buddy of mine just recently got fired because he was spending church money personally, like he was stealing money. Listen to me, character is everything. That's your soul. Your soul is who you are when no one is looking. Your character is doing the right thing even when you don't want to. Courage is doing the right thing even when you're afraid. It's everything. What's God's will for you? It's to know Jesus. It's to, it's to know in your bones that God loves you as you are. And then to live for Him. And to somehow work into the DNA of your soul that gold and silver, fame, and whatever else that might come with it, you can have it. I want Jesus. I want the source of life. I want the one who created the hippos, right? I want the one who created chocolate and butterflies and crushes and everything in between. I want to know Him. And I still do. But I just got to be reminded of it sometimes. Like standing over here during a worship service listening to a couple songs. Okay, here's what I wrote. Um, Colossians chapter 4 is where I'm going to be. Colossians chapter 4. You can look it up if you'd like. We'll have some on the screens too. Colossians 4. And I want to walk through some of the ending of Paul's letter in Colossians 4. And, um, and I just want to look at what, uh, some practical parts of what Paul writes, of what it means to be sent, of what it means to live out this Christian life in a way that hopefully others end up, you know, being influenced by it while we're still running after Jesus and Jesus alone. Because Jesus does say, Matthew 28, it's the great commission. He, he tells his followers and us, 
right? Like I want you to go into all the world, live out this faith, live out this love of God to all nations, make disciples, students of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything I've commanded you. And here, you know, right here it is again. And guys, gals, I will be with you always until the very end of the age. So that's the commission I want to use at the end of Colossians 4 to unpack a couple things. Um, Colossians 4 verse 3, I'm going to go back to verse 2 here in a minute, but verse 3, I want to call this pray for open door opportunities. Each of these are just an action step, all right? Stepping into, it's, it's holding on to, starting with that you are loved by God and that He is with you, and then stepping into being sent. Whatever you can do all around you, not looking for necessarily a calling or a career, but just learning to live out this radical love of God. So pray for open door opportunities. Paul says in Colossians 4 verse 3, pray that God will open doors for us to proclaim Jesus. Pray that God will open doors. You should pray that God would open doors in your life. Pray. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. You don't need to know all the answers. But what you'll need is courage. You'll need courage that when the open door comes, that you'll step through and just allow God to work through you. I worked at a sports bar going in, uh, in college here and uh, worked with a, a guy named Jamie. Jamie never stepped foot in the church. Uh, was living with his girlfriend, going to Missouri Southern. We'd become buddies. He knew I was uh, going to Bible college. So he'd call me the pastor guy or reverend or, you know, your holy father. There were all kinds of good, funny names. And um, we'd talk all the time. For a good year, he would ask me questions about religion and about the Bible and all of this. And after about a year, one night, uh, he was closing the place down. He was the manager for the night. And really, this was the night before that. The night before that, he asked me um, if I had a Bible, if he could read something from the Bible. And I ran to my car. I got my Bible and I gave it to him. I said, hey, read, read some from Matthew. And I showed him where it was at, right? And he had told me that night that uh, his girlfriend had gone to church when she was a kid. She went to a Methodist church camp and he said that she'd been saved as a kid. And that, you know, when she dies, she gets to go to heaven. And he's like, bro, like, how do you, like, what is that? How do you get saved, you know? And so that night I gave him the Bible. He read, I just told him to start reading in Matthew. He read the entire gospel of Matthew in one night, 28 chapters, right? Like the whole night. He comes back. That's the night he's the manager. He's shutting the place down. I stay. It's, uh, it's past midnight. We're sitting on the bar stool and, and we're just talking about this whole saved thing, right? And what does it look like? And, and I open the Bible and just show him some places. And we'd already talked about what Jesus did. We talked about the cross and the resurrection, you know, in those months before. And maybe 15 minutes of just talking through what's our response. And Jamie was like, dude, I, I believe this. I mean, I believe. What do I need to do? And I'm like, okay, here's what's next. Let's talk about baptism, right? We end up going out to the falls here in Joplin. It, it, was a, it was a lightning storm. Like it actually said that on the radio. I'd never heard that phrase before, a lightning storm. I've grown up here, so I understand you have lightning in a storm. But it was like there were these electrical warnings and his radio in the car went out. I'm just saying, this was cool. And we go to the falls and just he and I, and it's raining and it's lightning because we're, we're super smart. We go to a river and get baptized when it's lightning out. And, and I'm thinking he's going to die twice, right? Like buried with Christ in baptism and it's over. But, uh, but that didn't happen. He just, you know, and I dunked him and I brought him up and we were idiots just swimming around talking. And his first question was, hey, Frizzell, does it really... Does the Bible, does, does Christianity really teach that you're not supposed to have sex until you're married? And I'm thinking in my head, man, 
I'm going to lose him because of sex, right? I'm going to tell him the truth and he's going to peace out, right? So I, but I told him the truth. We talked about Hebrews 13 and 1 Corinthians 6 and, and then he just, okay, all right. And we talked about some more things and went back. Um, about a month later, he moved his girlfriend out. He rented her an apartment. He still paid for his own apartment. They got married like a year or so later. Um, but here's the thing. I prayed every day. I used to have like a certain prayer when I drive from here to work. Just God opened it. Give me an opportunity. And, and the truth was, I loved, I like controversy. I like when someone's like, you're a Christian? Oh my gosh. Right? Like, I like it. Like, I like, and I, what I like now is to like, hopefully prove them, whatever their expectations are, that, that you can, we can kind of blow that up a little bit. Right? But I love talking and all of that. But, but my point is I prayed and God would give opportunities because what I had to work against, what Jesus had to work in me was not trying to create opportunities that didn't work or the timing wasn't right. I would just want to just go. So I had to learn to ask God for opportunities and when they came to walk through. So pray, pray for opportunities. Then I want to tell you this, pray with others. I'm going to go back to verse 2. Paul says in Colossians 4 verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Now he's talking about a lifestyle here, but I want to, I want to take this and leverage it toward one specific part of a lifestyle of prayer. That Take, pray for open door opportunities and pray with people. Like, because here's the deal. Some of you don't want to talk about faith because you feel like you don't know enough about the Bible. It's okay. You don't have to. Do you know Jesus? And what you can do with it, when people know that you, when you're consistent, when you, when you live from a godly character and a consistent character, people will come to you with their problems. And when they do, here's what you do. And get this into your, the DNA of your soul now again. I tell my 13-year-old all the time, listen, we all want to help people. We all want to fix people. We all want to give advice. We all want to have a suggestion. We all want, I get that. Like even the quiet among us, right? When someone asks your opinion and asks your advice, like we just want, oh, oh, right? We love it, but do this, do this. When it comes to faith issues, right? When people, or when people are sharing with you a hardship, pray with them. Ask their permission. Hey, can I, can I pray for you? Oh, yeah, that's kind of what I was telling you. Would you pray for me, please? No, no, no. Can I pray right now? Um, well, I do this a lot, and I should, right? You're like, you're a pastor, dude. You should. I get it. I was in Poland this summer on a mission trip, and we were teaching, uh, doing English lessons, and um, conversational English, and my, my favorite encounter, this guy I met with for 10 days straight, had lunch several times at his apartment, was not Polish. He was actually Turkish. He was from Turkey. Uh, young Muslim dude, 22 years old, Bilal. And we hit it off right away. He, he wanted to know things about why I was there. And I found out I was a Christian. And we began to talk about the Quran. And he said, man, you seem to know, you know, and he spoke great English. So this was easy for me. But um, he said, you seem to know a lot about the Quran. And I, and I said, well, I've read it. I've actually read it a couple times, which like blew him away. He just, in his mind, like Westerners that barely know about the Quran and definitely don't read it. But we began to talk about Jesus, right? Because as a good Muslim, he believed that Jesus was, you know, a great prophet, even the son of God, not the prophet. That's, that's Muhammad and probably didn't resurrect bodily from the dead and all of these things. But he loved Jesus, but he didn't know anything about Jesus. And, and he admitted that. Like they don't teach Jesus in our, in our mosques. And in the schools, and, and p- the curriculum we used to do conversational English was the Gospel of Luke. Like, come on, how great is that? You know what I mean? And so we're reading these stories of Jesus and these teachings and wisdom of Jesus. And Bilal was like, just blown away 
by Jesus, right? And he kept telling me. And I'd never tried, I never like said, do you want to become a Christian? I, 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 I know enough. I'm not brilliant about the Muslim world, but I know enough not to ask that question. But he would say, as if the, the teachings of Jesus themselves were calling him out, he would say, well, I could never not be a Muslim. And so, some of you may not like this, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave here in a minute, so I'll be fine. But like, um, I said to him, Bilal, you can still be a good Muslim and a follower of Jesus. Come on, what? Because I figured like, if he gets to Jesus, Jesus will sort that out and he'll begin to read the Quran and see some things differently and all that. And God, the Holy Spirit will work that out. But, but here's what I did. When he began to be so intrigued with Jesus at the end of our sessions... I would say, hey, can we pray? Because he would always ask me, hey, will you pray for my girlfriend and me? Will you pray for my schooling? Will you pray the first three times we met? So I said, yeah, I totally will. As we were getting to know each other. Then I began to say, do you want to pray to Jesus now? Let's pray now. Okay, right? And the first time I said, well, let's pray. And I closed my eyes, but I looked up and he's just, right? And I'm like, I'll keep my eyes open too. <laughs> and so I prayed. And then like day five or six, I don't remember which one, but I, I'd asked him, hey, you want to talk to Jesus? You know? And he did, right? Like, come on. Listen, if Jesus is alive, right? And we believe this. Then to pray, to speak to him, to acknowledge his presence with another person. This person may not know him. I'm telling you, praying with people is almost a more powerful way of sharing the gospel without ever sharing the words of the gospel yet. You're inviting them and you're being humble. You're believing that the presence of Jesus is greater than your church tradition or your theology or what you know about the Bible. It's like living and active. So pray with people. And then live wise. Live wise. Verse 4 and 5 of Colossians 4. Pray for clarity. Paul says pray that we can speak this message clearly. Pray for clarity. And then he says and be wise in the way you act around non-believers, non-Christians. This reminds us that our life and our words should match, right? That's what the word integrity means, right? Integral, like together, combined. Like who you are on the inside and how you live is the same. The words you speak and the lifestyle, they synchronize, right? Of course you're going to make mistakes, but the whole of who you are. Like don't, listen, and this is a very Hebrew Jewish thing, by the way. I, I, I feel like maybe we've lost this in the West a little bit as Christians, but like, but, but we're all about beliefs, stated beliefs. Like, you know, do you believe, check it here? Like, I'm not sure how much Jesus cares. I know his little brother doesn't care. James, the guy who wrote the book of James, Jesus' half-brother, he's like, look, you believe in one God? That's great. Even the demons believe that and shudder, right? Like, it, but, but how we live shows what we believe. Well, I believe that we should love our enemies and pray for those who... And yet, how do you treat your enemies, right? Like, I believe that God's so con- concerned for the poor and for the outcast among us and for minorities and foreigners, you know, because the Bible's like littered with this. How do you live, right? What does your lifestyle look like? So you live wisely because people are watching. But that's not really why. You live wisely because a wise way of living is God's way of living and you love Jesus. It's a better way to live. Wisdom is always better. And then you do this, you seize 
the opportunities. This is a little bit of a progression. You pray for opportunities, but hey, while you're at it, when, when, when uh, requests come or people share, pray with people. Pray with them. Live wisely. Be reminded that people are watching, but also be reminded, reminded that a wise way of living is a better way to live. But then when the opportunities come, when God gives and opens that door, seize the opportunity. Paul says in verse 5, Colossians 4, make the most of every opportunity. When I was a youth pastor in Carthage, Missouri, this is the only other church I've been at, was there almost a decade. And uh, this girl, Sarah, that was in my youth group, uh, brought a new kid one night. And we were in, the, the, we were in a series with the high school um, on like dating and purity and sex and all that, right? What the Bible says. And uh, she brings this guy, Adam, with her. Adam, I knew, even though we'd never met, Adam had uh, been drunk driving and had two girls in his truck and ran into another truck on a back road and one of the girls died. And he was now being sentenced to, um, at the most, two years of prison. He might serve one. He was 18. And she walks in with Adam because she, it was his last chance to go to church before he had to go to prison. And, she, and, and they'd been talking and Adam was not a believer at all, unchurched. And she said, I know this guy, I want you to come to church. And they come in and she almost, she almost, because she'd seized the opportunity and she felt for whatever reason, she wanted him to come and meet me. And she was taking that opportunity. She walked in and pull, looked at the bulletin and saw what we were talking about. And she was like, oh man, he doesn't need this. this you know, I need something. And she started to leave. But then like the music started and so they were just like, oh, let's just stay. And then Adam and I got to meet afterwards. And I ended up going and meet, he had a, a clergy visit once a week. And so I went and met with Adam every Wednesday. And long story short, Adam came to know Jesus in prison. And we used to have these conversations. He, uh, having a, uh, a pen and paper was a privilege he had to earn. And so when he came to our meetings, you know, it's like you see in the movies, you got the little like glass and then there's a little, little speaker you talk to each other. Um, he would come with marker all over his arms. These are all the verses and questions that he had that he'd been reading in his, uh, in his, in his, I started to say dorm, in his prison cell. And, uh, I remember one day, just a little side funny note. I remember one day we were sitting there talking and we'd got to know each other pretty well. He'd accepted Christ and, um, and he's, he was leaning in. He goes, Dusty, can you, can you lean, can you lean in a little bit to the little speaker that's got the, like the holes? And so I'm, I feel weird, but no one's really looking. So I lean in and he goes, bro, are you wearing uh, Tommy Hilfiger cologne? Adam was like super like preppy, like super into, you know, cool clothes and evidently cologne. And I'm like, yeah, bro. <laughs> I don't wear it anymore. My wife does not like it anymore. She likes this one Hugo Boss type of cologne, which I don't really like a whole lot, but my wife likes it. So, you know, I wear it. Total tangent. But anyway, uh, but Adam was like so full of life. And if I, could, if I could tell you about what he was like the first month in prison, he would get letters from family members and friends of the young lady who was also drunk in his car, but they would just heap judgment on him and condemnation and they would write what they hoped for him and you can imagine where that might go and what that might do to a young man and to the shame and the guilt that was on him and it was so dark that first month or so and a few months in here he is going hey man can you lean forward? He just wanted to smell this old cologne that he had. Never forget the day he got out, right? He just wanted to get in a car and drive by himself for a while. I remember we all cried. We all met him. He got, they had this car waiting for him. And he just wanted to drive and listen to this mix, you know, tape. So full of life. 
watching Jesus. But, but here's my point though, is it started with this young 17 year old girl seizing an opportunity that her and Adam weren't even close friends. She was not in the party crowd, but she was one of those Christian girls that had lived a genuine godly life without heaping a bunch of judgment on people. And he sought her out. And she said, I, I need someone beyond where I'm at. I know somebody. Would you come to church with me? And she took an opportunity. She seized it. And it changed his life. And then you do this. You share. You share with grace and salt. It'll make sense in a minute. Paul says this in verse 6, Colossians 4. Let your conversation, let your talk, you know, specifically about Jesus, but of all things, let your conversations be full of grace. Let what you say be full of grace. Let the way you respond to others who disagree with you, let it be full of grace. Listen, for many, please, middle schoolers, don't, don't, don't take the example of many from my generation. And, and I know you're already off Facebook and you're, you're, you know, you got other like actual better social media, but don't, don't read Facebook posts and comments from people my age, okay? Especially the ones that claim to be Christians because it's kind of gross. There's very little grace in the world, in our country right now with especially issues that we're divided on. But as believers, we are called to have a conversation that is full of words, sharing, responding with grace, with grace and seasoned with salt. It doesn't mean that it's easy. Grace is not easy, but grace and love don't argue or fight or debate. We listen. Grace listens. Listen, <laughs> listen. If you can learn to listen more than you speak, you will never, ever, 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 ever be without influence. People will flock around you. Everyone will want to be your friend. If you learn to listen and ask questions. If you're, if you're more curious and interested in the world than you are about hearing yourself speak, and I'm preaching to myself right now, then you will always have influence. If you can learn to listen more than you speak, and if you can always ask questions, especially when someone says something, does something that's just totally against, totally different than how you think. Be curious, be interested, and be like, hey, tell me, tell me more about that. That's really interesting. Can you say more about that? And then listen more, and then listen more, and then maybe don't respond. Maybe, and I know this is like for an American, for us, for us as Americans, but like maybe you don't give your opinion in that moment. Oh my gosh, right? Like maybe you just like be interested. Maybe you just listen. I'm telling you what you will gain with that kind of grace is you will always have people want to know. Do you, you, got, you got friends or maybe even adults in your life who you kind of don't want to ask their opinion because they're going to give it anyway. And, every, and like as soon as they're like, well, you know what I think? And they're all like, no, but we know you're going to tell us, right? Like, I mean, like it just wears us down. It's exhausting, let your conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt. This one's so good. Seasoned with salt, Paul's phrase here, was an ancient way, an ancient saying, a way of saying that when you're, when you're talking, when you're conversing, let it be witty and fun and interesting. And it can be any of those. It can be funny and fun as long as it's appropriate. It can be witty like Jesus, right? Like, hey... Uh, Here's something from Jesus that like just doesn't get enough mileage, you know, in terms of funny. He's like, hey, if you have a, uh, you know, you've got like a, 
a two by four in your eye. You've got, you know, a, a plank sticking out of your eye. Maybe you shouldn't be the one that tries to tell the person with the peck of, you know, like a sawdust little thing in their eye that they have that. Maybe you should get rid of. And by the way, he didn't say just, just don't judge. Don't look at all. No, he said, remove the two by four and then you can help your homie, right? Like how great is that? It's so witty. I love it that the Bible tells us to be interesting as Christians. It doesn't mean you have to fake a certain personality. It just means you be you. But it's okay to be not only full of grace and you have to work at that, but it's okay to be witty and interesting. I, uh, <laughs> let me tell this story. Um, I've told this story a lot, um, but it's the response I had to the story one time that I really want to tell you about. But my friend Adrian, when we were kids, he was like in fifth grade and he went to the zoo. It's a true story. And there was a, a cage of monkeys and Adrian had peanuts and he was at like the bars and then there was like grass or whatever. And then there was the cage and the chimpanzees. And he was throwing uh, peanuts like in the shell, throwing them at the monkeys, like calling them stupid, you stupid monkey. <laughs> you know, just being a dumb fourth grade or fifth grade or whatever he was. And the chimps were all up like in the, in the, corner of this cage and they're talking their monkey talk, you know, and doing their things. And one of them comes running out towards the bar. He had pooped in his hand, right? Because that's what chimps do. It's so, he pooped in his hand and he, Adrian doesn't know. And he's like, ah, and he throws, he flings the poo through the bars. Adrian's laughing. Not, he doesn't know what's coming. He doesn't know. He didn't have intuition or anything. And he's like, oh, you stupid monkey. Hit him in the face. Couldn't make that up. It happened right now. Here's when I tell that story. Usually I'm talking about God's sense of humor and how amazing the world is. Here's what I think might have happened up in heaven, in the heavens, in God's realm. I think God is watching that and he's like, hey, Moses, come here. Michael, angel, come here. Do you see this? I made that. Monkeys poop. <laughs> I made it. He threw it at Adrian. This is good. You can't, right? I had an older gentleman when I, I told that story one time find me afterwards and he was hot. And I don't mean temperature. And he just, you know, felt like I mocked God and gave a personality to God. And, made, and, I, and I'm telling you though, the, the, the spirit of that moment was so good for my soul. Because who I am, who I am is sarcastic. And when I say that, I don't mean like, that's how God made me. I just mean that's a lot of how I've nurtured myself for a long time. And so I've had to work on not being flippant with people's feelings. And so in that moment, I mean, he was mad. And what I wanted to say was like, bro, that story was so for you. Just laugh, just smile. You'll probably live longer, bro. But I did not say any of that. I said something like, sir, I... I'm so sorry if that came out in a way to believe that I don't respect God. And I'm assuming there's probably very little I could say right now to convince you um, that I do respect God and love him. But I'll just, I'll just leave it with I'm sorry that you, that you found that offensive. And uh, he didn't like that. I mean, that wasn't enough, but, that it was, but it was enough for my soul, right? And what I want to say to you is, look, I don't want you to go off and be ornery necessarily on purpose, even though... If it's appropriate, it's good. But uh, part of how we share, part of how we share as we're sent, that's a big part of what people see. But it can't be faked. It can't be like manufactured. It's got to be who you are. Because God loves you as you are. And he's not going to leave you there. He's going to go with you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to want to change your heart and your character and your soul and your integrity. But isn't it a beautiful thing? That not only are we, we called to pray 
for opportunities and to pray with people and to, to, be, to live wise, but to take those opportunities. But we're also called, we're told by the Apostle Paul that our conversation would be full of grace. And it'd be interesting. And we wouldn't be the, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and like unpack some of that, even though I don't know exactly if this is what Paul meant, but here's, here's where I tend to go with it, to be interesting, to be seasoned with salt, that we're not always the people that are always like, hey, that's wrong, that's bad, right? Like, did they ask us? Did your friends at the lunch table, when they maybe say an inappropriate joke, did they ask you if that, I mean, I'm assuming if they're going to tell it, like, you don't have to, if it's, if it's inappropriate and disrespectful to women or about sex or something like that, you don't have to laugh. But do we, do we need to be the person that's always like shutting? Do we need to be the moral police? It seems like the Holy Spirit can do that. What, don't engage with it. And, and living wise means that there's times you need to not be around a certain environment, a certain situation, certain social settings. But maybe being seasoned with salt means that we're, in an appropriate, healthy way, we learn to be around those who don't know Jesus. And can I just tell you that if you really, if you have a heart for God and you're not just wanting to be around the bad stuff because you like it anyway, if you have a heart for God and you want to be around non-believers, I'm just telling you, buckle up because the church world is going to come at you. The church world called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard because he hung out with so many drunkards and gluttons and evidently he wasn't shutting it down. They didn't know him. They didn't want to live a righteous life. So he befriended them and became known as the friend of sinners. And that takes a great wisdom. But I don't want to cut that off just because you're in junior high. I want to call you to it. But the what must come first is always always the love of God in your life and God with me and then it's learning to live wise praying for opportunities seizing those opportunities and always being full of grace and listen it's okay to be seasoned with salt it's okay to be interesting to be a little funny and to smile it's okay in the midst of a broken sinful world to have joy Paul said Paul said, be joyful always. And then, he, and then he said, I'll say it again. Be joyful always. Evidently, Paul was chained up to a prisoner in a Philippian jail when he wrote that. Be joyful always. And you know, joy isn't like happiness. Happiness is what's going on, happenstance, circumstance, good or bad. If it's good, you're happy. If it's bad, you're not happy, you're sad. Joy is, I know Jesus gold and silver fame and stage and mic you can have it but I know the source of all of life I know the resurrected son of God I am loved as I am I'm never alone oh my goodness we should be like our jaws should hurt from smiling so much right our jaws should hurt from laughing and smiling as we like discover the wonder of the world and the wonder of being human it's amazing I have this internal clock right now that's going, shut up, dude. It's time to stop. Okay, I will listen. Maybe it's the Lord. Maybe it's my stomach after Mexican food today. Del Rio. Okay. I did not um, write down any way to end this. And so um, (laughs) that means we're left with me winging it again, which is always good fun. I'm going to ask you to stand. It's been good fun for me to be here with you. Um, I, I, I appreciate you. I respect you. Junior high is, uh, 
dude, it's the money age. It's the money grade. And I don't mean like literal money. I'm just trying to be cool, okay? But um, you come up, it's fine. Just don't run. Just don't run because I'll get scared. It'll be like the, the ocean and I'll be like, oh my gosh. Um, last thing I want to say to you before we declare the praises of Jesus again. As middle school students, as, as a generation that is like amazing. May you know Jesus now. Okay, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get plenty of church as you go. you get plenty of, of religious teaching and, uh, and ways of believing. But may what you search for be Jesus, the one who created all things. We read Colossians 4. Do you know that Colossians 1 says that all things, all things, go ahead and think about what everything, everything, all things, all things, all things were created by Jesus and it says it was created for him you exist you're a part of all things you knew that right you and I exist for Jesus for him you weren't made for a boy you weren't made for a girl you weren't made for a job you weren't made for a calling you were made for Jesus oh my goodness I hope you know him and if you don't, you have leaders and youth pastors that love you so much that have given their lives to, to work with you. Would you ask them about knowing Jesus? And we're, we're going to sing to him some more because uh, it is good. It is good to sing and praise. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We exalt you. We lift your name high. And God, there are so many important issues and things in the world but that we might know you, Jesus, the one true God. You said in John 17, like you don't know, I'm just saying it, you know, so that others know. But you said that eternal life is to know you, the one true God, and you, Jesus, who God sent. That's eternal life. And I want to I wanna live forever. Jesus, I want to like go to heaven and live forever when I die. But according to you, it's not about escaping. It's about embracing and living right now and being alive in this moment and knowing you. And that eternal life begins then with you. And so for my friends, I pray that they would know deep in their bones that they are adored, that you love them just as they are. God, that they would know that while, they, while you may not pluck them from the pain, while you may not always rescue us from the fires, that you go with us and that you send us, Lord, to be light and salt and grace, to be people of prayer and to be people that um, have some wit about us and maybe even a little interesting big, fat, cheesy smiles. Give us joy. I pray all in the name of Jesus.